All right, welcome back, everyone, to Real Talk. Today we have perhaps a surprising guest, a stand-up comedian. So I'm, I'm imagining listeners thinking like, okay, higher ed, stand-up comedy, what's the connection? However, there are so many, so many, so, I mean, public speaking, addressing an audience, mm-hmm. all of the free speech uh, and cancel culture debates, mm-hmm. those touch all of us, um, not to mention all the possibilities around comedy and how it can help us uh, to talk about hard things. And there are so many hard things we need to talk about. Maybe comedy can help us do some of that. Um, But before we jump into any of these conversations, we should introduce you to our guest, comedian Linda Belt. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm getting ready for real talk. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You're going to open it up. You are real talk. You're going to get it from a comedian. Trust me. (laughs) You know, I, I was thinking leading up to this, like, it's a little bit of pressure having a comedian on. It's like, you feel a little bit like you have to be funny. And like, we, we can all be funny. But like, <laughs> I'm sure people sort of put stuff on for you, too. Yeah. And you know what? This is more just a talk and not a performance. So I'm good. No need to go into performance mode. But you never know. If you're really good, I'm always looking for an opening act. So <laughs> I might take you up on that. This might I know. Today. <laughs> Always looking for a good opening act. You never know what direction this will go in. Oh yeah. I'm Jamaican. I never turned down a job. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta align with the West Indians. That's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> All right. So thanks for joining us, Linda. So Thank I just you for having me. Thank you for asking me. Thanks. No worries. Um, so I kind of wanted to get into just your background a little bit, because how do you end up a comedian? What did you do that you thought, hey, maybe I'm pretty funny. Maybe I can stand in front of an audience and tell jokes. What made you think that? Well, I had a very interesting story I'll make, to make the long story longer, which I won't make longer. Um, <laughs> My background prior to comedy was theater, but Mm. I had many different careers because unlike a lot of comedians, or I would say most comedians who start young, probably in their 20s, um, I was in my 40s. So I had a very, very different route. Um, When I was in college, I took four semesters of acting. After college, I had acting. Then I was a school teacher. That's a a whole other conversation. I was an elementary school teacher. And yeah, that's a whole other conversation. But that was probably my first open mic was standing in front of a group of of seventh and eighth graders back in the early 80s. Um, But by the time my, and then I had another career and then marriage and then two children. And what happened was basically pretty much I was a stay at home mom and I went to a local open mic here in Connecticut. I was living in West Hartford at the time and I went to a a local open mic in West Hartford and one of the comedians, the open mic, it was amateur. I I knew it was an open mic night. There were five guys, one woman and the one woman, poor thing, she was trying, but she was terrible. And Mm. I just turned to my (laughs) friend and I said, on the worst night of my life, I have to be funnier than this. So (laughs) I just... (laughs) And I wish I could come up with some, you know, better story, like, you know, some comedy producer was sitting next to me and said, hey, you're funny, try an open mic. That's not how it happened. Um, But that's how it happened. And so I said this to a friend who had been a stand-up comedian. She goes, well, if you think you're so funny, you try it. But I was getting comedic roles when I was doing acting. 
So I, so finally I said to myself, there must be something to this because my whole life I had people going, Oh, you're so funny. Oh, you're the best. I, I, sometimes I never intended to be funny. It was just coming out that way. And I said, well, if this is the case, I might as well try to monetize this. Why right. not? Yep. Yeah. So I did it, tried it, went to an open mic. And as I say, the rest was history. I love that. So how did being a mom, being a housewife, and then going into comedy, how did your family respond? What did the kids say? Because kids are rough. They will tell you about yourself. Yeah, very honest. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a good one. Um, so the kids were in middle school. And you know. Perfect timing. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I'm just, you know what those years were like. Right. I, those were the years where I would drop my daughter off at school and someone would say, is that your mother? And my daughter would say, no, 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 that's just a lady who looks like <laughs> Oh, man. You know, they don't even want to be near you. They don't want you breathing next to them. Yes. <laughs> you know, they think that they were aliens that was like just dropped from a spaceship. Like there were no parents. Um, so you have to keep in mind, this is like the time that I'm going out performing where my son, he had absolutely zero issue. Um, my daughter was like, kind of like, uh, whatever, like a, what the hell? But interestingly enough, and I do think this made a difference. Both my kids were into acting and theater, mm. both of them. My son and daughter had already done Hartford Children's Theater. You know, they were even in shows outside of school. Oh, okay. um, and so I think my kids, even at that age, had the ability to understand that I was creating a persona and a character. Mm -hmm. And I think because they did theater and they were actors themselves, they were able to process that idea like oh this is mom acting yeah and so i think that made a difference for them and then it got to the point where they were um they did see it as oh this is oh some moms go to book club you know some moms <laughs> go to a knitting group yeah. <laughs> you know, my mom is a stand-up comedian because one night i was getting ready and I overheard my daughter say to my son, oh, um, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, mom has to leave soon. She has a gig, a gig tonight. <laughs> so once, I, once I heard my kids use the word gig for the first time, I'm like, oh, they're good with this. <laughs> they're good. That is so funny. Yeah, they didn't see my act until uh, years later. Okay, good. There you go. Yeah, there you <laughs> what go. What was that and, like? My daughter, I think it was a, a WTF moment for her. <laughs> she was just not going to reconcile. <laughs> she was, I remember her sitting, I was at a theater. I think the first time she saw me, I was in a theater in Long Island. She took the ferry over with me because we went from Bridgeport over to uh, Port Jeff, as a matter of fact. And I remember talking about, oh, my daughter, my daughter, and she's, and she's like in her head going, oh, my God. And she said two guys next to her were just howling. They were cracking up. Mm -hmm. And in her mind, she's like, oh, my God. She wanted to crawl under the seat. <laughs> yeah. so it's like she didn't want to say these two guys, I'm the daughter. And that's me she's talking oh, no. about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. But, it, but as they got older, I think my kids actually saw that as an honor. Mm -hmm. Now, the first time my son saw me, he was much older. I, I think my son was out of college when he first saw me. Oh, wow. definitely. Okay. And I, he had seen DVDs, but he had never seen me. Oh, that's, that's dating myself. <laughs> um, but he had not seen me in person. So I went up to him and I said, listen, son, I'm not going to censor myself tonight. Mm. You know, just keep in mind, this is an act. You know, mm. he goes, Mom, I'm good. I mean, he was in his 20s at that point, And he was hysterical. He thought it was great. Mm. So they came around. They were, they were pretty cool with it. That's good. Yeah. 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 I don't know. If my mom now they are. Up, I'd be like, oh, everybody. I think it would be well, the Well, now they shop. certainly don't mind because I make money. And when I spend <laughs> yeah. a little cash, happy oh, birthday, yeah. they know I'm making money doing this, so they're not going to complain. 
That's yeah, really. funny. I was thinking, you know, when you're talking about having a persona and it being an act, um, you know, as a teacher, like we're actually recording this podcast in between my morning class and my afternoon class. Um, and it is such a persona. It's like, I, it's a persona that I put on as a teacher that is different mm-hmm. than I am in any other part of my life. And there is this moment of vulnerability when somebody like one of my parents or my wife come mm-hmm. in and, um, it just you re- recognize you're putting on a performance and your students think this is just like who you are mm. and actually <laughs> it's not it's something you have to put on to keep their attention and to um get through that moment mm. um of a class and there's st- i mean i just think we have a lot as teachers to learn um from you as a comedian because Honestly, if I think, like, would I rather be a boxer or a stand-up comedian? Like, I think I might rather be, like, put me in the ring right now. Knock me out. I don't know. (laughs) But it seems like an equivalent in terms of public speaking. Well, throwing things at comedians or, you know, slapping them. You might as well be in the boxing ring, you know? (laughs) Yeah. In certain cases. But, uh, Casey, I do agree with you about the persona. Mm -hmm. Because when I was a teacher especially for middle school students, Mm. I did create a persona. Mm -hmm. I I was a much harder person. You know, like the real Linda is a much softer soul, you know, Mm. but I do think you have to, it's a teacher voice. Yeah. You know, it's a different voice. It's a different character. It's a, yeah, you have to, I think to, um, to create a sense of control Mm-hmm. of your classroom uh, uh, uh i hate to use the word control because i don't want to sound like we're controlling but leadership yeah um uh, leadership is getting attention and if not you're going to have a chaotic classroom of people mm-hmm. talking and not paying it and you do have to be the one to stand at that front of the room and you are the leader mm-hmm. and that to me it, I, I know I have to create a persona. I have to get on stage. Friday night, I did a solo show of maybe an hour and 15 minutes. Oh I had God. no mm. opening act. Wow. I had Ooh. no opening act. I had to do comedy from beginning to end. It was a fundraiser for somebody who needs a liver transplant. Mm. So, And that man was in the room. So it's like, you know, this could have been a very That's a lot of pressure. Dark, yeah. Yeah. A lot of pressure. yeah, this could have been a very dark, somber evening. Right. Uh, you know, you're raising money for somebody who's having a health issue. I have to take all that, turn it around, and just get up there and like, bam. And yeah, that does take a persona. Mm-hmm. I totally understand what you're saying. And teachers um, do need to do that. You have to, I think. Mm-hmm. And and also, yeah, it's, it's interesting. There are times when I have integrated... Um, some kind of an opening act, whether that is like, oh, I'm, I'm a cartoonist, so I'll have all the students draw a self-portrait. Two minutes, we'll start class every time with that. And that, frankly, warms them up before mm-hmm. we start um, versus coming in cold. Um, or when I come yeah. in, uh, like w- in a conference or a workshop situation and somebody else has already done something with a group of people, it's the best. Um, but what are some things that, that you think folks who are teachers or who want to be Uh, teachers or many of us who address people in public settings, like what kind of lessons have you, have you learned? What can you tell us your secrets? (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't know if it's a secret or whether I, I just, a lot of it is trusting your intuition. Be very intuitive. Um, In comedy, of course, we call it reading the room. Um, And as teachers, I used to, before being a comedian, I would call it reading my students. Um, and rooms, your students and audiences do have personalities because people bringing in their energy, um, if something's going on in your student's personal life, mm-hmm. like I always knew if I had a student who was very vivacious and they came in very quiet, mm-hmm. you know, you know, something's off just like, you know, something's off with your significant other or a child or so I would see that in my students. I could see that in an audience. For instance, I don't do a ton of crowd work, but I do quite a bit. And I might talk to one person all night and bounce back and forth and just use their name. Mm. But if I mention, if I, 
you know, um, talk to somebody in the audience and I'm doing a little bit of crowd work with them and I see the body language and they're cringing and I feel like I back off immediately uh-huh. and then I'll just go talk to somebody else. Body language is incredibly important. And we, um, as educators, public speakers, performers, um, you, this not this this idea that people want confrontation or a comedian wants a heckler is one of the biggest myths, mm. and it's one that really really annoys me. No, we really don't. We really want you to be quiet when we're performing. <laughs> we don't need your help. I don't need you to be an interactive member of my audience. Mm. And unlike being a teacher, we don't have people raising their hands. Yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> to interact with us. They're just yelling out, mm. you know, and, and we have to respond that. I would say uh, trust your intuition. Um, if you sense as an as a educator, uh, perhaps addressing somebody privately after class instead of the whole class, if you think something is off, I think that's very important. I do. And I learned that as a teacher, especially. Mm-hmm. There's also a gender component to all of this. Um, I mean, comedy is notoriously kind of a man's business, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, and, and, oh, then, yeah. and there's such a, um, I mean, I, most of my favorite comedians are women personally, but I do. <laughs> well, thank oh, you. You're very welcome. <laughs> but a lot of men think that women just aren't funny. And frankly, there are women who think women are funny. Um, how have you dealt with that? Oof. Notice, notice I went, oof. Yeah. <laughs> you know, talk about um, being intuitive. It's learning to get rid of the noise and the chatter and staying in your lane and focusing on where you want to be in your career, A, B, getting rid of victim mentality. Mm. Huge. Because to me, if you start going down that road, you will find a reason. I'm a woman. It's my age. It's Mm. You will always find a reason to be excluded from somebody's group for whatever reason. I'm Jewish. I'm a woman. My age. So I can have a booker who's anti-Semitic. I could have a book who's a misogynist. I can have somebody who's an ageist. If I keep looking for every reason to not get booked, I will find that reason. I prefer to focus on the people who do book me and the positive aspects of my career versus who doesn't book me. Have I not gotten gigs because I'm a woman? Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind I probably haven't gotten gigs because I'm Jewish or because of my age. There's no doubt. But I cannot spend my career focusing on that. I mean, I can point it out. Mm-hmm. I can talk about it and I could tell people that it exists, um, that it's the truth. And there are ways to turn all the negatives into a positive. And I don't mean to sound contrite. Mm-hmm. or to be dismissive of a very serious topic. I don't mean that at all. But for instance, I'm going to be on a show in May called um, Funny Women of a Certain Age, and that's geared for women over 50. So there are producers who found their way about that. What have the women done? They've started producing their own shows. Yes. Just like you see, just like you see in Hollywood. Right. They're like, you're not writing roles for us. We'll make our own. I don't know if what I everything I just said makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I describe that well, but totally. That's how I deal with it. Um mm-hmm. and still deal with it all these years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm- I mean, you're speaking to like, it is true. Nicole Kidman, I know is one, but people who are like great actors, women of a certain age um, that no longer start getting hired for roles unless they're Mm -hmm. like Judy Dench um, or very specific kind of people. And and then how many people have started production companies now to create the work. But I think that also is true in other fields, like creating opportunities in politics um, for women, other, other forms of the arts. So I think that's super important. 
It is. And you brought up an interesting point, though, that sometimes it's the women mm. who are not very supportive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that boggles my mind. So I book a theater show, um, Playhouse on Park in West Hartford. I produce that show. In other words, the theater asked me to produce five to six comedy um, shows a year. Yeah. And I work very hard on diversity on my shows, very hard. It doesn't mean I'm just going to pick a woman who is a woman. I mean, you have to be funny. But I book uh, very diverse shows because to me, I comedy is just not white male 35-year-old. I mean, it's, yeah. not, <laughs> yeah. it's not just what comedy is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, comedy is... Latino, Latina, you know, African-American, gay, straight, older, younger. It's there's so many different voices because every person who has a life experience mm -hmm. and what their life experience is, that's what they bring to the stage. Yes. And it's a different voice. So my voice being an older woman, um, being divorced and then in a relationship now you're going to hear a whole different a comedy show than mm -hmm. a single woman who's 30 telling you her dating stories yes i mean my dating stories are going to be different i think they're <laughs> going to be funnier because they're way more bizarre you yeah. know, yeah. like, <laughs> you know like, the longer you live the more bizarre life is so it's so I, I always think the older comedians are funny because our stories are true and you're like how the hell could that be the truth That's but true. i personally work very hard on producing uh diverse shows i i like the different voices of comedy i like it and i think my audience my my shows are typically sold out i mean because we should go if yeah. Yeah, we should go yeah the next one uh, i'll give you the dates but when you produce a good show and people know they're getting a good show they're like oh linda bell puts together a good show and yeah. then you're gonna want to go i can't speak for everybody because of course <laughs> like all the arts it's subjective but yeah you know i do my best and so speaking of like free speech and different versions of you know, people that come out to speak. Um, we've seen, like, a lot of problematic comedic, comedic figures, um, like, you know, Roseanne, Dave Chappelle, um, that have kind of pushed the line of what is, um, or have pushed the industry to ask the question of what mm -hmm. is um, too much. And, you know, how does the intention of a joke affect the landing and delivery um, can you discuss nuanced topics in a way that is funny, but, you know, not hurtful to people? Mm -hmm. um, and we know that comedy in of itself is like, I don't know, I feel like it's not self-depreciating, but it's it's a reflection of life. So in, in essence, it is for everybody because we're reflecting on everyone. Right. Um, but right. how do you... How do you decide like what you're going to include and what mm. not to include and how far is too far for you? That's an excellent question. Yeah. And I think the key there you said was for you, meaning for me mm -hmm. or meaning for each comedian. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very interesting topic and a very tough one nowadays. Um, comedians we are not supposed to be politically correct because mm -hmm. it's comedians who shine the light on what's wrong in the world. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people will miss satire because mm -hmm. satire, sometimes an audience member could miss that or sarcasm or satire. I made a personal decision um, that there are certain jokes that I had said once in the past. I don't say now, not because I think they're hurtful, mm -hmm. but there just have been so many changes in society where it could be so misconstrued that mm -hmm. it's not worth mm -hmm. the joke to me. Mm -hmm. You have to decide of, if I'm on stage for an hour I have to make that decision. How far do I need to push this envelope 
to the point where I make a split second decision. Am mm-hmm. I going to have the audience still like me mm-hmm. or at 55 minutes in, are they going to hate me over for one joke? Mm-hmm. You, you don't need, in my opinion, um, to do that. However, when you're on a level of a Dave Chappelle, yeah. I do think the audience is way more forgiving mm-hmm. because you're on that level when you're mm-hmm. a big national name. As far as cancel culture, I, I make a joke and say, sometimes I wish I was famous enough to be canceled. <laughs> yeah. I can't be canceled. Because yeah. nobody knows who the hell I am. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who. Like, like I'm already canceled. Cause, you know, yeah. I'm a, but, but I do have fans Believe it or not, um, you know, even when you're a no name, um, when you're doing it long enough, for instance, this is a good example. I had a show in Vermont Friday mm-hmm. night. There was a woman there who saw me years ago in the Lake George area, and she now lives in Bennington, Vermont. She saw on Facebook I was going to be there. And she came to my show. Mm-hmm. You do have fans over the years. And yeah. I just, to me, but I'm still not on that level. So to me, those comedians have to make those choices, those decisions. Sometimes what I find is my truth. And if I'm telling a true story, Mm -hmm. there's a very big difference between a true story and something for the sake of a joke. Yeah. Um, Because the truth is the truth. Mm -hmm. And if something happens to me or something and it's uncomfortable the comedian takes what's uncomfortable in life and we make it humorous like i was just talking about um anti-semitism for instance Mm -hmm. this summer i went to germany to meet up with my daughter who was just traipsing through europe this summer just mom meet me (laughs) and we met in germany and i got i got shushed on a quiet car on the train. I didn't even know we were in the quiet car. So I said to my daughter, I go, you got to be kidding. They're going to shush two Jewish women on a train in Germany. Like, I don't oh, think. God. Oh, God. <laughs> you see, it's like the darkest humor mm-hmm. you can come up mm-hmm. with. But my daughter looked at me, I looked at her, and we were howling. Mm-hmm. So, because I'm like, seriously, given their their history, they're going to shush me on the train? Yeah. <laughs> I would have been laughing. Really yeah, hard. I would have been laughing. I would have been myself. Because it was a true story. Yeah. If it didn't happen to me, and I just started making this crap up, like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. this happened. Like, some comedian. So I think when comedians are telling you a story and it involves something uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. that's where the humor comes in. And that's where people hear the truth, whether it's about your relationships, your kids, um, whether the the relationships are straight or gay or or whatever, because everybody has that different experience. Yeah. But even if it's not your own experience, you start to understand somebody else's experience when they're using humor. Even if it's not mine, humor helps you. I think of all the things that separate us Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. now, and we live in such a divisive society, um, which I don't like. I like to use my humor to bring us together. Yeah. I don't go into a room and ask, who did you vote for? How do you feel about the? I don't survey my audience and ask them. I'm there to bring the humor and make people laugh. And at the end of 45 minutes to an hour, I want everybody to say, wow, we had a great time. Mm. And we have more in common than we have differences. That's the way I like to end a night. And that's the way I like to make my audiences feel. And, and if they have issues that they're dealing with, um, then maybe I'd shine the light on it. Mm-hmm. Let's say I have somebody in my audience, and I don't know this, who is anti-Semitic, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the night, they got to see me. They got to see that I was likable, that I was fun, that I, and they might say, hmm, maybe my misconceptions and my stereotypes have been stupid. And 
you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm stretching that. But I like to use humor to bring us together, not pull us apart. And that's why I don't even touch politics yeah. as far as topics, if we're going to go there. But that's <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> I mean, I, Linda, I do the same thing as a... Um, as a teacher who's trans, I think like, well, these students might be like, he was nice. He gave me an extension. Maybe trans people aren't so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. Like I'm a human being. I'm like, you know, basic, just like all y'all. Not an extension. Right. (laughs) But you know, you you know what it is? We all, if we're honest with ourselves and I'm 63 years old and I could be, I'm old enough to be your mother, maybe even grandmother, who knows, but I (laughs) have lived a life. And I can tell you, people have biases. Mm -hmm. And biases are not always hateful. They're biases. It could be a bias in dating. A woman, you know, might just date. If he's not six foot two, she won't go out with him. Mm -hmm. Somebody (laughs) might want somebody of their own. Right. Somebody somebody might want somebody. Somebody might want somebody of their own race, of their um, religion, their faith. People yeah. do have biases in life. It doesn't mean they hate other people. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something that sometimes we need to really think about that I think sometimes we jump the gun into saying um, we find almost sometimes we look for more negative in people than we look for positive. Yeah. And I think that might be another way of mm-hmm. Or just classify that. people immediately. Right. Yeah. Classify people. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Because I, again, if you're an educator, you're not going to go in and ask who's who, who's what, mm-hmm. because quite honestly, it shouldn't matter. I'm, I'm walking in a room to make you laugh. If you don't like me at the end of the night, maybe you just didn't think I was funny. I'm okay with that. But, and if you don't think women are funny, I can't change that. Yeah. Um, I guess I could, but I guess I could. <laughs> <laughs> I could, but I, you know, but this is who I am. One of these so, because um, basic, based on what you're saying, it just makes me wonder: do you do you assume like a social responsibility? Do you think um, it is your responsibility to kind of highlight these things as we just maneuver through society, right? Because you're saying that sometimes you may or may not, through your stand up, just change someone's heart about whatever their bias may be. But mm-hmm. like when you're thinking historically about comedians, right? Like one of my favorites is George Carlin because he's yes. absolutely oh, hilarious, hilarious. But yeah. the hilarious. touch on religion and politics is very heavy. So do you think it's your responsibility to change people's hearts? Do you think mm-hmm. um, you have to do that every time? Is it just being funny? No, um, responsibility is a, is a very tall order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's my responsibility to make the audience laugh so that whoever booked me gives me my check yeah. and has me come yeah. back. <laughs> That's my response. No, my responsibility is to perform uh, within the constraints of what I was hired to do. Yeah. Um, and I actually work for, and it's a great question that you asked. Thank you for asking that because yeah. there are comedians who do feel that way. And if right. they are a political right. comedian, They've chosen to do that. Yeah. There's one booking company I work for, and I've done it. I did a show for them Saturday night. It is actually in their contract that there will be no politics. Mm -hmm. And if you start doing politics, they will take you off their roster. Mm -hmm. And so if you're that comedian, you can't work for these people. And you know what I always say? If you don't like what, what your contract is, don't accept the gig. Yeah. You know, don't take the gig. Like, don't go in there and stink up their room because you decided, you know, to make a statement when the audience is sitting there going. And sometimes I talk about my act, just absurdities um, in life. You know, some of my humor is just, it's just about the absurdities mm-hmm. and it's, it's just ridiculous things. Um you know, just everyday things. And so I don't think there's a big a responsibility that I'm bringing to change the world. However, yeah. if I can get people to see the world with more humor mm-hmm. and to see the absurdity in some of the things that we end up arguing about and that cause such divisiveness, 
if people can see the hypocrisy, the sometimes this like you go like what this is in the news again like yeah. like ugh, like again like aren't we done with this shit? Right. You know? yeah and if we can use humor um in that way then i like to do it do i get on stage thinking i'm going to do that that night no no not at all I'll be honest with you but if something positive does come out of it um yeah and sometimes at the end of my shows i've had i have said one of my closing lines is with everything that's wrong in the world right now, never is there a time we need to laugh more. Mm. So I thank you for laughing and I thank you for having a sense of humor and I thank you for sharing it with me. Mm. That has been my closing line for a while mm. to let people know we all came together tonight. For 45 minutes. We laughed. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let's like, keep this, let's keep this going. Mm -hmm. let's, keep, yeah. let's, let's keep this going. Well, yeah. I do think that, I mean, I'm a new parent with a seven month old baby and she laughs oh, all the time. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Uh, it just has me thinking a lot about um, like senses of humor start so early. Like and she's like, it. she's not even, she's like telling jokes like with her body language and then laughing at her own jokes. You know? <laughs> but there's like a real bonding function of humor. Um, mm -hmm. And I know I have no, no data for this, but I have read studies or have read that there are studies that show that <laughs> uh, maybe you've read these, Saida, um, that humor or la like f the physical act of laughing mm -hmm. actually will open your mind to more controversial or to like, it, it, like you'll be more open-minded after you laugh than before you left. Yeah. Um, so That's there yes. really is possibility for like when we're talking about hard stuff, like, wow, what a benefit to have humor be a part of that. And I can give you another example. Years ago, I was going with um, a comedian friend of mine, and we're dry, going to a, uh, this very posh country club. So here I am with an African-American man, Jewish comedian, two of us, right? Mm. We're the comedians. And I got on stage and I said, this must be very interesting. You have two people performing tonight that you probably wouldn't even let be members of your club. <laughs> oh, <damn. laughs> oh, I love that. The room came to silence and then they're like looking at each other. Like, oh, but it's true, right? And then they cracked up. Yeah. They shook their head. You know why? Right. They knew it was true. Yeah. They knew it was true. So it was, and then when you, when you point it out like that, mm -hmm. using humor, people see it, mm -hmm. they hear it, they realize it and they go, she's, yeah, looking around. Yeah. Yeah. When I think of every member of this club, yeah, she's right. I just yeah. couldn't resist that night because sometimes, sometimes it's like right there. You yeah, know? yeah, it's right no there. It's a really great nugget right there. Yeah, like, I love that. It needs mm -hmm. to be said. And I think it also I really know, depends. You know, sometimes, sometimes a joke can get a groan, like a ooh, yeah. but yes. a groan is the response. Mm. Yes. It's not dead silence. So I'll take I'll take a groan over no laugh because at least it's a response. Yeah, so yes. that's a good one. I was gonna say I think it um, I think it also sometimes factors in the person's personality of like how they go about. Because I'm the type of person that thinks that politics is just life, unless you're really getting into it and talking about parties. But it's literally just talking about life because that's that's what they're supposed to do, right? Just sustain our lives. Mm. So I think everything Oof. that we talk about is political because life is just politics. Um, but when you see, like, the background of a person and, like, how they come about it, you know, so your trajectory is going to um, determine in the ways that you talk about life, right? Like, you've sat, you've watched your kids, you've raised them, you know how to nurture a human being. So you're going to know how to nurture your audience and try to filter some of the ways that they gather some information, but you're not going to keep them from hard information, you know? Mm. So right. if you look at a Dave Chappelle, his father was in the civil rights movement, you know? So when you, when you have a parent that was doing that kind of work, your policy, your politics and the way that you come about life is inherently going to include that, you know? So the way that he speaks and the way he's always spoken since he was younger, like has been not really a nudge, but just like, this is what I know. Like, he came out of Ohio. It's not like he came out of the hood, <laughs> you know? Right. But he has a yeah. background of being around those types of people, you know? So it really just depends on the type of person that the comedian is. And, like, 
I mean, there are people that really just like to toy the line because they just like, I don't, I don't say they hate people, but they just really like, like, oh, like nudging people. They like to be controversial. Oh, yeah. They're not even it, just yeah, controversial, but they're like, if I can make you mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's called, it's called shock value. And yeah. there are some comedians who really, uh, they're like thrilled yeah. if people walk out of the audience. Yeah. I don't want people walking yeah. out of my They're like, that's my goal. I would be yeah. waiting to do that all but night. My goal like, is to get you to say, that's right. <laughs> For some comedians, but then they can't. You have to get to a certain level mm-hmm. to really be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But then at that level, you know who you're seeing. Yeah. Right. If you just come out to a fundraiser and Linda Belt is there, you go, oh, who, who's this woman? Oh, yeah. we're going to see this. But when you're buying a ticket to Dave Chappelle, mm-hmm. you know who you're seeing. Yeah. You know, you if you're going to see a political, if you're going to see Bill Maher, you know who you're yes, going to yes. see, a Lewis Black. Yeah. You know you're going to see a political comedian. Mm. But it's interesting about what you say, because I grew up in Jersey City. Mm-hmm. I grew up urban. Mm. I grew up in the public schools. I grew up in um, more urban than many of your, so quote unquote, urban comedians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, so my life, I have a very different background than somebody who grew up suburban and, Mm -hmm. and I bring that to my world and to the stage because it was a very different life experience. Mm -hmm. So, so why I once had somebody say to me, why do you even bring that up? I've had people think I'm Italian or um, Latina. I, cause I, I get it all, you know, and I guess growing <laughs> up in a city, it depended what neighborhood I walked in. I walk into certain mm-hmm. neighborhoods that seem Spanish to me. I walk in the Italian section, they're speaking Italian to me. But I once had somebody say, and it was another comedian, she goes, why do you even mention that you're Jewish? I go, because that's who I am. And so much yeah. of my humor yeah. comes from like my mother and talking about being the neurotic Jewish mother mm-hmm. and I have jokes about it mm-hmm. that are my reality mm-hmm. and are some of them stereotypes yes they are but they're my experience so mm-hmm. I could say them because I own them they're mine yes. there is humor there is humor and stereotypes but yeah. you have to make it funny and it really needs to be your experience right. mm-hmm. I don't need somebody else talking about my life experience and, and it's saying jokes that aren't true. Mm-hmm. Like I've heard guys who, you know, have kids, but they say they don't have kids because they want to come across as players and they're still single. And I'm like, well, why would you be doing that? Why don't you tell your audience the truth? Yeah. Because yeah. the bottom line is what's funnier than the truth yeah. <laughs> when you think about it, but it's, a, you're right. Your life experience, me being a mother, changed my comedy. Where I grew up, changed my every everything mm-hmm. about my life. It's all encompassing. Everything about it. Good questions, guys. <laughs> Thank this you. is you no, know, no, Most people, most people, when they're interviewing a comedian, uh, they they don't ask um, such in depth interesting questions and i i appreciate it because it's not just standing on a stage and being funny there's a mm-hmm. lot to it well, yeah. I, there's many different layers and components and i really appreciate you recognizing that and i appreciate you asking and unlayering those peeling away those layers well there is a way i think in society we take um even if you look at tv and movies and stuff we take dramas like very like so seriously mm-hmm. and then really miss i think the the art and the intelligence and the like difficulty Mm -hmm. of the art of comedy Mm -hmm. um honestly so i'm glad that you feel that way (laughs) (laughs) we're very flattered over here yeah it's not i always say to people you know so i was at another show a couple weeks ago and it was a young man young i would say probably early 20s but at my age, everybody's young. Everybody's a young man. Next time I'll be saying, get off my lawn. You know, next time I'll, <laughs> I'll be calling them the youngins. But okay. he came up to me and he said, um, oh, I'd love to be a comedian. Uh, you know, can you give me some tips? I said, tips? I said, are you ready to drive four hours round trip for five to six minutes of stage time? Seriously. 
I go, are you ready to drive to Boston? Two hours, stand on stage for five minutes at an open mic and then drive two hours back. He looked at me like I had 10 heads. Mm -hmm. And I said, until you say you are ready to do that, you're not you're not interested in being a comedian Mm -hmm. because your first few years, you're not paid. You're going to open mics because there's no school for this. Yeah. And that's what you have to do. And unless you're going to put that work in. Mm -hmm. It's not happening. And for these people who think they can just cut the line, get to the back of the line, sister. It ain't happening here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they say with comedy, you're, I'm going to, I'm not going to like forget the saying, but like, so Kevin Hart, when he came out and got like big, big, he had already been a comedian for like, what, 20, 15 to 20 years. Mm -hmm. So they were like, what, what is it? Like a, a long-standing overnight success or something right. like that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, like, people don't realize, like, this. And I think I kind of slept on it a little bit because it was, like, college when he really st- we started watching all the stand-ups and stuff. And we're like, yeah. And then I was like, you know what? He was in that movie with Dave Chappelle in, like, the early 2000s. Like, oh, he was. He, was, he did do a cameo. <laughs> yeah. And you start realizing these people have been around for a really, really long time. Yeah. And that it has not been just... They're they're pushed to the forefront all of a sudden. Now they're doing stadium tours. Like they put in massive oh, amounts of years. work. Yeah, and so I think a lot of people don't realize how much work goes in it, especially as comedians. If you look at almost every comedian, they've been doing like crazy work before they even got right. before Dave Chappelle even got a TV show before. You know, he was in Half Baked. He was in all those other movies, mm-hmm. and you barely recognize that that's the same person. I just told my mom the other day. I was like, that's the same Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah. As today, yeah, like it's a different. Pro- he looks <laughs> like a different person, you know. And so he's a third different person now. Yeah. So it's 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 crazy, like how much people don't re- recognize how much goes into comedy and how life changing it is. Like when I go home, I have a really really hard time committing to series. Like really, but when I get home, I'm finna watch me a comedy special. <laughs> you know. So like like that's how I decompress, and that's like what helps yeah. me, not just because. It's funny, and I'm about to laugh, and I need a laugh mm-hmm. when you're just sitting there doing your brain thing all day. But because a lot of the people I watch are very intellectual. You know, like yes. I watch Vera Das, and I'm like, him and Trevor Noah are like it yeah. because they're hilarious, but I'm also getting an education. So now I know the political climate and, you know, what's going on in India. You know, now I kind of understand a little bit more about South Africa. So there's so much education that also goes with that because you're understanding people so much better by seeing what their identity is. There's one comedian that's I think like had found out she had found out when she was older as a full adult that she was autistic. Mm-hmm. So a lot of I can't remember her name, but uh, a lot of Gatsby. her I think so. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, a lot of her comedy was just like. I never knew until somebody came up to me after a show and was like, have you talked to your doctor? (laughs) You know, so like you learn so much from just watching this and people make life funny, but you're also just like, oh, I understand that that life a little bit more, you know, and people don't realize how much of that is hidden in comedy and how doing that you can help learn about people more than you can help like bash someone else. That's true. Right? You really you get to know yourself. One. You could do either. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I do is um, generational because I mm. still have very young audience. If I work mm-hmm. a club, they're young. Mm-hmm. So I have to keep up yeah. with things, you know, and it, it does help to have a 30 year old uh, daughter and 32 year old son. So yeah. like one of the jokes I do is my daughter said, the generational differences mom uh, oh, i was dating this guy but i had to let him go he was just too thirsty so my <laughs> jokes i said thirsty i so i said thirsty maybe he was diabetic did you offer him something to drink? <laughs> and then the older members of the audience i'm like you're gonna have to go home and google thirsty yeah. you know? so, and not the regular so dictionary, the, the urban dictionary. Are, you know, the young people are laughing. The people my age are like, what? Yeah. Or I do a joke about getting ghosted and they're like, what? you know, so like, they that? do get yeah. a little education with me. Yeah. And yeah. it helps so to bring your identity to it because now people can understand someone that's like you, you know. And I, I think that I love that people do that more than I love the bashing. Of sure. course, I love the self-depreciation because we all do it, yeah. you know, <laughs> and you can oh, really get to the heart of your insecurities 
when someone else is like, here's my insecurities, like, right. let's laugh. And you're like, oh, let me laugh about my insecurities once in a while. Yeah, most of my act is self-deprecating. Because to me, if you can't laugh at yourself, mm-hmm. like one, uh, another time, th- these are all funny stories. So <laughs> I, I hadn't thought about this one in a while. I did a women's conference and they had a survey at the end. And this woman sent me the survey and it was like, real, like, I, I had glowing reviews. I'm not, oh, pat myself on the back. But, um, oh, we thought Linda Bell was hilarious. We thought the comedian was funny. But one woman wrote, I think this comedian was too self-deprecating. It, it didn't do much. It, it's not positive for women's body image or something. <laughs> so the joke I wrote about that was I said, good to know. Next time I'll talk about her cellulite instead of mine. You know, like, like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Of course, I want to make fun of myself. Right. I, it made no sense. Mm-hmm. That was just somebody who was just grumpy, probably in a rotten mood, mm-hmm. and had to write something rotten. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always somebody like that. Yeah. Well, Linda, this has been so much fun. So uh, much perhaps fun. the most fun. Actually, I'm I'm realizing I'm like a nervous person, and I'm feeling the most relaxed talking to you in this podcast and i've done like 50 so um i think that's a testament so casey i have one thing to say about that tell um, me please they say laughter is the best medicine mm-hmm. and since my kinetic care health insurance is really expensive i'm going to have you venmo me your copay <laughs> <laughs> now i'm glad it. you guys your your interview i'm telling you is excellent and i appreciated being asked the questions it was very refreshing and it was very nice to have um questions that aren't superficial a lot Mm -hmm. of questions for comedians are just very superficial Mm -hmm. and yours were not and i i'll say it again i appreciate it thank you very much for having me well it's such a good reminder that the arts are i mean just vital to our human species um they do so much for us individually and as communities and and comedy is just a great form of the arts and bringing people together and in that spirit linda where can people find you um my website it's linda belt my name b-e-l-t as i always say like you wear to hold up a pair of pants because sometimes people go looking for linda bell and i'm like it's linda belt (laughs) like you wear to hold up your pair of pants lindabelt.com Awesome. And I have my shows. Sometimes I get a little backlog, but I have to update the shows. But I work throughout Connecticut. Um, and I work nationally. Mm-hmm. I work throughout mm-hmm. the Northeast. Um, so, yeah, I have some dates coming up. And I would love to see you guys at a, oh, a show in the near we should future. Do a we should totally yes. do a field trip. Yeah, we'll see you soon. Yeah, Linda. and if it's not to see me, just get to some comedy show because... Like I say, we do need to laugh. We need to. It's essential. So get thee to a comedy show. (laughs) 